everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. How are you doing, Chuck? I'm doing good, mate. How are you doing? Good. This feels a bit weird. <laughs> it does. This is our first podcast we are recording while we are not in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And so um, this is the first podcast that we are recording in 2021, even though our last episode featured Chris Brown that was recorded at the end of 2020. So now Christmas is over. We're into a new year. Um, there is a reason we are recording this via Zoom. So Andy, why don't you tell us about your Christmas? <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, we went away for Christmas to Idaho. Um, my son, who lives in LA, proposed uh, while in Idaho to his girlfriend, who is now congratulations. Fiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome, uh, and she is from Idaho. So we went out to uh, visit with her parents, and and they were there, and our whole family was there. And did while we, a, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, did you go to a potato farm? <laughs> <laughs> no but my daughter bought a potato back and i'm like we have these in illinois <laughs> did she bring corn to give to them <laughs> we're gonna make a trade you want some corn thank you for the potato no. it's like a peace offering you know so. oh man no you I, I love the pictures man you were posting pictures on on instagram i saw a video of a moose and oh. i'm Mate, that was cool. It's it's breathtaking. Idaho is one. I actually have been to Idaho. I've driven through. It's beautiful. I have never seen so much scenic views. Um, It it was beautiful. And my wife has been uh, sick. Still is sick, but was sick during the time. So we really didn't get out much. I think a couple of days I was able to get out in the car just to see some some areas. She got out once the first day we were there. So... um, but we got to see see this, and you mentioned we saw a live moose, which was crazy. These things are like horses; they're massive, Man, bigger than horses. Yeah, um, mooses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was pretty. It was pretty fun. But coming back, my kids decided to get COVID, uh, and so um, Clay and Maddie, who are living in LA. We are literally, I'm not joking, we are um, after the crazy journey home, which that's for another another time on the podcast. Uh, it, it was crazy. But on the way home, we are in the car from the airport coming home, and my daughter turns to me and says, Clay's just texted me, and Maddie has COVID, which means we've been with them for the last, you know, week, well, it ends up, I don't know how this happens, that Joy, uh, my daughter, and my son, Ethan, got COVID. But me and Teresa, we didn't get it. And so um, they have been in their rooms. <laughs> I'm I'm called Chives the butler. <laughs> and Chives <laughs> has to put his rubber gloves on, and I have to take the food up. And uh, and uh, so yeah, they've been in their room. I mean, thank God for Netflix, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 
And your daughter Joy found out she was positive on her birthday, right? Oh, Say, happy yeah. birthday! You got COVID. Oh man, that wasn't a good horrible. day. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that wasn't a good day. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just blame it on the moose. You guys got it from the moose. <laughs> oh well, but you know what? Wild moose running loose <laughs> with COVID. COVID. <laughs> I know. He's got a big potato in his mouth. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it, but man, you guys had such a crazy story. I'm so sorry. You've really been through the ringer, your family. So yeah, yeah. Love you guys. Been praying for you and and yeah, keep uh, praying for us. Really, really, uh, especially for my wife. Uh, she's going through just like your wife, uh, Chuck, has had medical conditions as as well and has medical condition. Uh, if you're listening, please be praying for our wives, mine and Chuck's. Um, not just because they got to put up with us, but but also with what's going on uh, medically with them, we're, we're really praying for them. But today, uh, obviously, you're uh, at your home, Chuck. I'm at my home. We're recording this via Zoom, but we um, we have an incredible interview today. It's a yeah. it's a little bit more serious. Tell us a bit about it, Chuck. Um, we're gonna speak to. Nicole Jackson, Jackson. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you okay? Are you, are you, not, got, are you got COVID? It's a serious interview. It's a serious conversation. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't, I'm sorry. I am distracted, Andy. And for those of you listening, you know, we usually record this um, in, a, in a studio that you set up and we do it at, 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 the, at the church. And, um, it's, you know, there's no interruptions. And because obviously you're quarantining because of your family, your kids with COVID, um, I am at my house and my dog is losing its mind at this moment. <laughs> I'm so distracted and you can't make this, you can't make this up. There were no issues during the interview with Nicole, praise the Lord. But, um, but you know, my dog is just, um, I don't know who she's barking at. It might, I th- think she saw a moose or something, but, uh, <laughs> well, but anyway, um, to get serious for a moment, this is an incredible conversation, Andy. And I know Nicole's a friend of yours and you had approached me and said, Hey, January is sex trafficking awareness month. This would be a, a great conversation to have, even though Nicole's from the Peoria area, uh, man, the, the, the reach that she has is is vast and this is a subject that needs to be talked about and people need to become aware of and she does a excellent job of really just giving us information yeah uh, and uh, just very well spoken i was impressed with her I really was yeah i think you guys are gonna uh really enjoy this interview and and you'll see how the connection works with uh myself and the dream center and what she does with us um, so we want you to just sit back and relax, grab a cup of coffee, and just uh, enjoy this interview with Nicole Jackson. Well, today we are doing things a little bit different. Uh, as you know, over these last few months, we've had many different people that aren't really from the Peoria area. Uh, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, We have got with us Nicole Jackson, who um, by day is an ER nurse. But what she does outside of her work, and actually it's all encompassing as well, 
um, is she also co-hosts the Walk for Freedom, which is a part of the A21 movement. Uh, why are we talking to her today? Well, January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And A21, which uh, is founded by Christine Kane, is a global movement uh, to really bring a light on to what's happening with human trafficking, sex trafficking, human trade. And uh, my and Nicole's story um, really collided about two years ago uh, with the Dream Center, which we will talk a, a lot about because of what she does and what her husband does in the area. Really, um, you'll see where all this connection comes to. So, Nicole, welcome. Well, thanks, Andy. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Now, Chuck, uh, this is the first time that we have done an interview where me and Chuck are not in the same room. Uh, Chuck is at his home. I'm at my home due to some COVID cases in the house, which is not me, but my kids have got it. Um, and so we've locked them away for two weeks. Um, but, but no, not really. But, uh, but they still lost, Andy. <laughs> but we're not in the room, same room. So this is going to be really different. But yet we're really looking forward to having Nicole on. Um, and Nicole, I mentioned COVID, um, but your husband um, in the Peoria area is is pretty critical to what's going on. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that before we really get into the meat of, of what we're talking about? Sure. Yeah, he is actually the EMS director for OSF Healthcare. And part of that role is Peoria Area EMS. And um, he sits on several task forces as far as, you know, COVID prevention and just protecting our providers, yeah. um, but also protecting patients who aren't in the hospital yet. So that pre-hospital environment, um, just because I think there is a lot of fear associated with COVID. So part of that is tackling that fear so patients aren't afraid to seek help in the emergency department, um, but also keeping our providers and our first line responders safe, um, just because they're not always aware, usually in the ER, I mean, we're, we're in that first line as well, um, but we're not going to people's homes and not knowing if they have COVID, whereas our first responders are, and they're just dispatched and sometimes it's not known if that person has COVID or has at risk or COVID's in the house. So he has done a great work um, just kind of changing the process in our community and, and therefore kind of setting the, the pace for the rest of Illinois even as far as how our first responders are kept safe and how they're dispatched and just a lot, a lot of work has gone into just keeping our community safe. Yeah, I don't know how you both do it because um, you have a family uh, and uh, you build in a house at the minute. I've seen on Instagram. As Correct. Well. So just a couple things. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine. But what we want to try and uh, get to is is what you do outside of work. But like I mentioned, it's also connected to work. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and how you got connected with A Twenty One and the Walk for Freedom? Um, just tell us a little bit about that journey and then I think we'll be able to interweave a little bit what's happened through the Dream Center with you as well. 
Yeah, for sure. So um, never in a million years would I think that this is like I'd be on a podcast talking about trafficking. Um, but I think that's just why Jesus is so cool and how he aligns our steps. And so um, working in the ER, I was introduced to a subspecialty of emergency nursing called sexual assault nursing. And so that is a, a special certification that you go through where you're trained to um, take care of victims of, of sexual assault. So I hold that certification for PEDS. Um, the pediatric population and adolescent and adult population as well. So um, that was kind of my niche that I, I started out in my first year of ER nursing was really taking care of that specific um, patient population when they would present to the ER. And so through that, one of my friends had given me a book that she thought I would just be so interested in um, about trafficking. And truly, it was never anything that I had really even heard about. So even in that subspecialty of ER nursing had never been trained on it and had never even had it mentioned. Um, so that book was Undaunted by Christine Kane. Mm. And I remember specifically, like, you know, there are those moments where like the Lord and the Holy Spirit, you can just like see them in your brain over and over again. Yeah. And I remember sitting in an aisle seat on an airplane, reading that book and just like weeping. I'm pretty, pretty sure all the other passengers we're like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but it was just like the like the Holy Spirit had just broke my heart um, for for people in that situation, and just realizing that it is not at all what I thought it was, and also just feeling so grieved um, from the standpoint of knowing the patients that I have taken care of in the emergency department that I have missed them, and and not even those presenting for a sexual assault complaint, um, but those that I take care of routinely, and I just my heart broke realizing that this is something that I had completely just not even known about. Um, and so, you know, I really just do believe like, once you know better, do better. So um, that was a couple years ago, maybe like four ish years ago. And um, at that point, just really kind of felt like, man, I want to, I want to know more. And just through that time I had just read and read and read a lot and uh, would be about Four years ago now, my friend Erin, who co-hosts The Walk um, for Freedom with me and I were just kind of talking about what trafficking looks like. And I think that's when we started seeing kind of this increase in central Illinois about people at Target and Costco and everyone was going on Facebook talking about, oh, all these things that are happening. Um, and just really at that point, her and I were having a conversation and, and she's not in healthcare at all or um, on that side. And we were just kind of talking about really what it does look like and how it is in our community and how it's it's truly just like this unseen epidemic. Um, yeah. it's, it's hidden in plain sight. And so um, we had talked about that and said, you know what, I think it'd be so great to get more involved with A21. We saw there was a walk for freedom, um, but the, the two closest to us was like Chicago and Springfield. And we were like, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do something like that here? Like, that'd be kind of cool. She's like, I think it'd be cool. Let's, let's just see what it's like. So I just clicked a few buttons and we're like, well, we'll see. And you have to go through, like, of course, they do like a background check and get your kind of story. And um, I joke that it was, it was almost more in depth than like interviewing to be a nurse, but it's good. <laughs> they want to make sure. We'll make sure we're on the up and up. So we did that and they called back and it was a, a few week process between that. And I was just thinking like, wow, what would it, what would it look like? I feel like I've been positioned in a unique place in the ER. And um, I feel like Erin is in a unique place, not in the ER and, and kind of just that role of a mom wanting to care for her kids and keep her family safe. And then that knowing that Matt is positioned in a unique place in, um, 
in the community with healthcare. And so had been reading um, on the blue campaign um, from what the Department of Homeland Security puts out and that how first responders are really, really important in identifying trafficking and not just identifying it, but reporting it. Um, they are in a different role than we are in the emergency department as far as that HIPAA violation, right? And that privacy yeah. act. Let's, let's touch on this a little bit because this is, this is where our worlds collided with, with the Dream Center. Uh, and when we started talking, um, the things that you cannot do if someone walks into the ER, um, that they may tell you something, but the things you cannot report because of the HIPAA laws versus Correct. what someone like a fireman, an ambulanceman, a policeman, that because they're not coming into that building because there's different laws around them, that they they can report and do a lot more than what you could do, which is crazy because you are there trying to serve someone. Tell us a bit mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really unique. So um, we are mandated reporters of child abuse and elder abuse and any sort of abuse to someone who um, is not of an, an ability to consent, like an age to consent, or they don't have the mental capacity to consent. Those patients are protected. But if you are over the age of 18 um, and you do not want help, I used air quotes there, I know I'm on here, um, not that someone doesn't want help, but if they're not expressing that desire for help, they don't want law enforcement involved. I have no recourse to call um, and report that to the trafficking hotline because my interaction with them was met in a healthcare facility. So that would violate HIPAA at that point. So if I say, hey, I have a patient in the ER and I suspect that she is being trafficked and all, all signs point to yes. And she even admitted that she's being trafficked, but she does not want me to report it. I cannot legally report that. I, I would be actually breaking the law at that point. Um, but say someone presents to the Dream Center and you know what's going on. You can go ahead and call the trafficking hotline right. and and get that ball rolling. Um, or if there are, you know, first responders, if the firefighters show up on scene and they're like, man, this looks weird. You know, I'm at yeah. one, two, three main street and this looks weird. Um, they can actually call, uh, the national trafficking hotline and say, Hey, one, two, three main street. Uh, seems like there's something weird going on there without disclosing any patient information or why they're even there. Just that, mm -hmm. Hey, this house seems like something's going on. Yeah. So just, and, and even as community bystanders, that's something that we can go ahead and also report, you yeah. know, even if it's at a business, like a target, like, Hey, I saw this guy there. Or, there were these people on the corner um, with homeless, you know, needing help for homeless signs. And it was women and young children. This seems weird. Um, so, Really, that's why the community awareness is so huge, uh, yeah. because everyone is positioned a lot differently um, than even the staff in the ER, which I think is just really blows people's minds. All the, yeah. I mean, it blows my mind all the time yeah. that it's like, I wish I could do more, but yeah. I can't. Well, and that's that's how our worlds collided, because um, for those yeah. listening outside of Peoria, um, the organization that I run, Dream Center Peoria, we uh, have a homeless shelter for women and children. Um, so anywhere between 40 to a hundred ladies and children come to our shelter each night. The average age is nine years of age. Uh, so we have a young population and we have a lot of young mothers come in, but also we were seeing, uh, women come into the shelter that, uh, were trying to escape from certain things. A lot of it was the trade side of things. 
um, trading uh, their bodies for being able to stay somewhere or being able to get food. And, and, and so we were seeing girls come in. However, what we were also seeing was um, when we were talking with Nicole, there was many uh, ladies out there, and it's not just ladies, but predominantly ladies that were out there that the EMT or the, or the fire, the ambulance guys would get there and they wouldn't know what to do if they saw someone they there was nowhere to direct them right you know like you need help but i i don't know how to do that and so we created a just a business card that says um we can help and it's got a, a direct line to our housing and a direct email to our housing director that if those guys are in that situation they get there something seems a little bit different something seems a little bit not right they can slide this business card to these gals and they then get in touch with us and we actually have a room now built in our homeless shelter that is specifically for girls that are trying to escape trafficking human trade uh, sex trafficking that type of thing um, but it, it blew me away Chuck I'm going to uh, throw it to you in, a, in just a moment but it, it it blew me away that someone in the ER department could not do something like what the guys who are showing up at a house could do because of the laws. And how could we help these individuals that may then be taken to ER but wouldn't be able to mention anything, but they've got that card now that they could at least contact someone, not only going through the hotline, because that's what we do when they get to us anyway, but, but someone locally, flesh and blood, that can help them, um, you know. And so it's it's something that has opened our eyes. It's not like we see hundreds and hundreds of, of girls uh, and ladies uh, in this predicament. But we do see people coming in. And Chuck, I know you were, you were just reading some of the stuff about some of the myths about uh, trafficking. You want to just tell us a little bit about what you were reading and, and Nicole will be able to go on that. Sure, sure. And, and before we get that... Um First of all, Nicole, thanks for taking your time to come and, and hang out with us and to shed some light on a very serious global problem. And of course, right here in the United States and even locally in the, in the Peoria area. Um, first of all, you know, I, I've read, I think, just about every book by Christine Kane and love her passion that, that mm -hmm. she has to, to help victims. Before we talk about some of the myths, um, we were just talking about the Walk for Freedom, which is um, associated with A21. But for, for the person listening today that is wondering, what's A21? Can you shed some light on that? First of all, what is A21? Um, and um, yeah, what's, what, what's A21? Yeah, awesome. So A21 stands for abolishing slavery in the 21st century, right? A for abolish and then the 21st century um, it was founded by Christine Kane um, and I feel like her book just described it so well but kind of to encapsulate it she saw there was all these posters for missing kids and realized that this is actually a, a problem of human trafficking kind of didn't realize at the level that it was and that led her and her husband to begin um, uh, this organization and all they all they do is specifically human trafficking, which I think is phenomenal. I think there's a lot of great organizations out there. Um, I think sometimes when you kind of branch out and do, you know, a lot of different things, some things can fall through the cracks. And that's, that's personally why I will always, you know, just 
be the biggest cheerleader and champion for A21 because they found their niche and they do it well. Um, so they have centers all over uh, the globe that are rescue centers, but they also really um, uh, seek to equip the everyday person um, to be aware of human trafficking, what it looks like and how to abolish it in your own community and just really speak up for those who can't speak up for it. And you know, just really lines itself up with Ephesians 5, you know, when we're called to actually expose the things of darkness. And I think that's what A21 does, uh, but they do it with the love of Jesus so well. Um, mm-hmm. And they they meet these women and children. And Andy, you're right, it, it is a problem for, you know, both genders, but yeah. um, we see, you know, about 70% are women um, and young girls, but just realizing that meeting people where they're at, when they're so vulnerable, when they're broken, when they're in pain, when they're in shame and, and they meet all their needs, um, but with the love of Jesus. So it's not just, Hey, physically, we're going to take care of you, but we're taking care of all levels and just really restoring people's souls. Love that. I love that. Well, one of the, I know there are several myths about about trafficking. So one of those is that human trafficking involves moving or transporting someone across a state border or even a national border, but that's just a myth, right? Correct. That's actually smuggling. So can traffic involve smuggling? It can, but that is not the most. I think a lot of people, um, when they think of trafficking, they think of uh, the movie with Liam Neeson, Taken. And that's actually uh, the smallest percentage of trafficking cases. About 45% of those in trafficking, it's through a false job offer and it's by someone they know um, or their own family members. Um, we actually see that a lot that, uh, and even in our area, where even children are trafficked um, by their own family for you know drugs, money, and, and whatnot. So just knowing that it is not some some person chained into a basement that's been trafficked across you know multiple state lines, um, but but again a majority of I'd have to to check on that statistic. But it's I think it's greater than seventy percent um, stay within their own city, community, even their own block sometimes. Wow. You okay there, Chuck? I mean, you've been reading this stuff uh, that I sent you. Um, and the thing that has been incredible uh, is is some of the things that, that we've been reading about um, is all about not just the myths, but how people can identify in public someone who is being trafficked or whether that's trade, human trade. And Can you explain the difference between uh, the the trafficking side that you just talked about, but then the trade side, which is really what we see a lot at um, and what you hear about where something's being traded. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, well, the, the trafficking en- encompasses the trade as far as labor trafficking and sex trafficking. They're both wrapped in there. Um, you know, traffickers are... are uh, not really following a job code for themselves. So just because they're trafficking someone for labor doesn't mean they won't traffic them for sex and vice versa. Right. Um, and I think we talk a lot about sex trafficking, but really what we see a lot of in the U.S. is labor trafficking, that then that also gets exploited into sex trafficking. Mm. And um, when when we're really talking about that trade, it's, it's that manipulation and that vulnerable um, population 
that the trafficker is using one of three, if not all three keywords, and that is force, fraud, or coercion, right? So force, um, physical, right? Maybe there is a gun involved, a weapon involved, mm. um, fraud, like, hey, I have a great job for you. Um, you know, I need you to meet me here or travel here or whatnot. And then that coercion, which I think is is probably what we really see a lot of, but we don't realize it. So maybe it, um, someone is is a heroin addict, right? And, um, you know, they're, they're getting free air quotes again, free heroin from someone, you know, just try it once. You're really going to like it. It's great. Um, you don't have to pay me for it. It's okay. So, you know, now they're hooked. Okay. So then at that point, um, that person is now indebted to this drug supplier. And so now the drug supplier is saying, well, you don't have to pay me, but here's what you can do. You know, you can go ahead and I'm just going to have you you know, meet some of my friends and we'll go ahead and cancel your debt that way. It's only going to happen a couple of times. Right. Um, and then, you know, also when you are looking at even at force, it's just that threat as well. If, if you don't do this, you know, what about your child? What about your family? And I think that's something we really have to be aware of when people say, well, if it's so bad, why not just leave? A- again, that kind of encompasses domestic violence as well. Right. Or if it's so bad, you don't leave. Well, some of these women have children, you know, and, and they're worried about their safety. And so it's just really that entrapment. It's a cycle that just truly a majority of people will not get out by themselves, not only because of the fact that there's these threats, but also there is so much shame. Yeah. And um, we know that traffickers have even stated, there was one that I share in my lecture um, that a trafficker, you know, was asking, like, none of these women have been bound, you know, and he said, you know, once we threaten them a couple times, we don't have to use weapons. We just remind them of how unwanted they are wow. and they'll stay. And I just think that's, that's heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. It is heartbreaking. And, and some of the things that um, you, you see and also what Matt sees your husband with what he does with emergency services, um, you really, really got compelled to do something beyond just doing a class to the public and, and at the Dream Center, I think you've done two or three classes uh, that we, you know, once COVID's all all done where we can actually have people in the same room, um, we, we will do these to where we try and educate the community um, to look for things. Um, and, and you took it a step further where you now train all the, um, emergency responders in in this area. What are some of the things that you have to really emphasize to these guys when you're uh, presenting um, that this isn't a joke, that this is real, um, and and what what are some of the things that you have to tell them to look for? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question. Um, so it was like through the walk that kind of opened those doors because I wanted it to be unique. And then we had read about, you know, again, that blue campaign. And so Matt and I started talking about, wow, like, this is kind of our niche. This is where we're positioned. And so we talked about, well, you know, the location for the walk, they like you to have a, a to and from place. So we said, somehow, what if we incorporate fire and EMS? So starting at Peoria Fire and walking to East Peoria Fire Department. And so that was really, you know, kind of what started it. And then let's go that step beyond, like you said, and and how can we train these guys? Well, what can we do? And so the awesome thing is just because of where the Lord has positioned Matt, um, you know, he actually sets the protocols 
for how EMS operates in our area. And so we, as far as I know, unless like I am missing something, we are actually the first EMS system in the nation that has a protocol on identifying human trafficking. And then now here's what, um, like, and taking those next steps. So um, at the time we were able to sit down with uh Peoria Fire Chief Artis, and then East Peoria, I think, Assistant Deputy Chief. I might mess up their title, so I apologize for that, um, Ryan Beck. And we just kind of shared the statistics and the numbers with them over coffee. And it was just really interesting to see these guys who are just like very like, you know, tough, you know, firemen, like man boots on the ground. And just to walk away from the conversation with them both just astonished and like broken hearted um, for what is happening in our community. And they, I mean, hands down, like, I feel like have been just as important to this walk and this movement as, um, as Matt and I and Aaron, um, because they were absolutely like, yes, let's get this on board and let's train our guys. And so I think the biggest barrier, especially whenever you're working in pre-hospital and healthcare is we are very much creatures of habit. We like our algorithms. We like things to go a certain way and we have order. And to kind of look at things through a different lens can sometimes be a bit of a barrier. And so before we could even train appropriately, the first thing that we had to kind of discuss in our in our conversations, in our lectures, is like, yes, you are seeing it. Um, it's not looking like these myths, you know, and kind of unlearning that. Um, but then also really just having that change of heart. And so when I present with them, usually my, my intention to go in, first of all, is just to remove kind of those preconceived notions. Um, I know specifically that is where, like, I just had an area of hardness in my heart um, before, you know, reading Undaunted and all of that. And I just always thought, you know, we have humans, as, as humans have a choice, right? We are accountable for every choice we make. And um, just sometimes thinking that people are in certain situations because they chose it. And that is something like Jesus has really had to work on me with. Um, and I truly like he broke my heart on that plane that day because just realizing that, you know what, for some um, in life, and I think in a majority of what we see in, in trafficking that choice was taken away. They were robbed of innocence. And instead of holding people to the standard um, and saying, well, you did that, like, how, how about we meet them where they're vulnerable? How about we go up to them and be like, man, this is a really crappy situation and a healthy, adjusted, well-intentioned person wouldn't typically choose this. So what happened? Why can't you make that choice? What, what led to this? And then really just digging deeper and understanding that something awful happened and they don't maybe feel like there's a way out and they are in so much shame and they have so much pain that they don't feel like anyone can be trusted. And why would they trust someone? Because the last time they trusted someone, this is what happened. And so really like as a follower of Jesus, taking that responsibility for myself and off someone else and just being like, man, let me meet you right where you are. And then incorporating that like into our lectures of just saying, you know what, this is not okay. Um, I think that's what really shifted for me was when I was reading about nursing, ER nursing specifically in human trafficking. Um, we know that about 86.9% of trafficking victims have been evaluated by a healthcare provider at least three times, at least three times, wow. and they were missed. And that 60, about 60 to 61% of those people were in an emergency department multiple times and missed. And usually those are the statistics that I share with our first responders because most people aren't just, you know, hopping in a car, 
who are victims of trafficking and showing up at the ER. A lot of them don't have transportation or, or they do have some rights restricted. So an ambulance is involved. So we know that if 60% of this population is presenting to an ER through EMS, then we need to screen and train and advocate for our EMS responders to really just kind of be those literally the boots on the ground and uh, the eyes and ears. Because again, they may see something on scene that they can report, but also they can say to the nurse like, hey, I picked I picked up on this. This seems weird. I only had about seven minutes in the back of an ambulance with this patient, but this seemed weird. So you may want to talk to them more about it. And again, that patient might not disclose at that encounter, but if I as the nurse know I should be alert to this, that opens up a conversation for me to screen more effectively and to actually do a better job at my job of protecting my patient, not just for their presenting complaint, but for all areas. And then that's going to build trust. And once trust is established, people will report and people will disclose. Chuck? That's... That's so good. Um, I think for me, just sitting here today and listening to you, um, I'm realizing even more so how important it is for healthcare professionals and those involved as first responders to be educated on warning signs and what to look for and how to respond, what to say, the, those those little nudges. Um, because I think... Um, Obviously, there is a side of, of the movie taken you brought up that that is accurate, but the majority of the time, it's not somebody who is held beyond their will, chained up in a basement. Um, I mean, one of the myths that I, I'm hearing is that people that are, are being trafficked and um, one of the myths is that they're physically unable to leave. I mean, you mentioned that a lot of them are weighed down by, by guilt and shame and they don't believe that um, anyone believes in them enough to, to step out of that, that cycle. Can you speak to that just for a moment? I mean, that is, that is a myth. The majority of people aren't chained up in a, in a basement somewhere. Correct. There is a lot of freedom of movement. And um, again, when you look at that force fraud or coercion, um, if, if a woman's child is being threatened, like if that child's life is being threatened, I, I mean, I feel like just as moms and how we're ingrained, that is our, our first instinct is to protect that child, even at a cost to ourselves. And um, when you look at that, like, I think I, I just hope people, if they're hearing this conversation, they just walk away and just really see people um, just through a different lens and really realizing that when there's that much brokenness, um, you know, chains aren't always physical. And um, the only person who who can break all those change it, all those chains is Jesus. Um, but as his followers, we should just really be be heaping on the love and just the compassion, and um, just understanding that that this is among us. This is happening in our community. I think a lot of people, and I know this is when Erin and I kind of talk because she just has that different background. They think it's not here, right? It's not in central Illinois. It's not in our community. We live in a pretty safe area in our small towns. Um, and surely these people would be, you know, trapped and in basements. They're not going to be at our touch points. They're not going to be at our coffee shops or grocery shopping. And how are they even showing up to the hospital? So, you know, to kind of go off that, I would speak to two points. One, a majority of, cent of Illinois' cases happen in central Illinois. 80% of human trafficking in Illinois is in central Illinois. 
Wow. We make up for 80%. That is shocking. Only 20% happens like in that Chicago land area um, or further downstate. So 80% central Illinois. So statistically, we have seen it. And that's something that I share with fire and EMS. And they're always blown away because a lot of people think, oh, my gosh, it's going to be in Chicago or a big city. Um, so we know that that, that, is, that those cases uh, are happening here. And then, you know, as far as that, um, that second point that I wanted to speak to is just realizing that they're in that bondage, right? And their trafficker treats them as an object. Um, it's a business for them. So if I'm a business owner and I need a tool and my tool breaks, what will I do? I will fix it. I will pay to have it fixed. And so if you have someone who is injured and they are a trafficking victim, whether it be they have a cold or an illness or some trauma, guess what? They're going to be getting fixed. So where do you go to get fixed? You go to an ER. And so again, just wrapping that into the fact that that they are like not just bound in walls. They are, you know, again, part of that community where we see them in the healthcare setting. Um, but I mean, how many have we even seen like from churches? Like I have, you know, had so many conversations where um, just people from church have said, yes, I was, you know, being trafficked by a parent um, or in youth groups, you're seeing that where, where they're still presenting to youth group, they're still going to youth group, you know, maybe that's the only place that they feel, feel safe. And there was a, a great article I read. Um, it was a, a girl who was actually uh, in trafficking and is now free, praise the Lord. But she uh, was about 14 when she started being trafficked. She came from a Christian home. Um, she played volleyball. She was a great athlete, all-star athlete, great student, and had a great relationship with her sister. Her sister's boyfriend um, was a, a human trafficker and was able to somehow manipulate the sister and then manipulate this girl at about 14 um, to start selling herself. And she you know, had said later on when she wrote this that she just felt so ashamed and she would do this you know, in the evenings throughout the weekend and she would come home and go to school, go play her sports and live her life, go to youth group, sing and worship, and just felt like there was no way for her to get free. And eventually she said her grades did start slipping and um, she just wasn't as enthusiastic about playing sports or volleyball anymore. And, and at that point, people started saying, hey, this is weird. And, mm. and she was able, of course, to get help at that point. Um, but I think too, like, and you had asked, I think maybe is Andy just about in our community and like that the trade, I mean, prostitution is a huge, huge avenue of human trafficking. Um, and when you look at those women who are involved in prostitution, we know about 65 to 95% of women in prostitution were sexually abused as a child. So there's already that, um, just that, that sense of self-worth that's been broken mm -hmm. and they're vulnerable. And maybe they just feel like, well, this has already happened. And I share a story of a survivor who just feels like, well, I've already been abused by men my whole life. So why not make money at it? And so um, just realizing that that there is just so much broken in with trafficking, it's an onion. You know, you just got to pull back each layer and it's messy. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to get involved. I think that's why a lot of people just kind of want to cover their eyes or they don't want very practical tips. It's it's easy to, to share a post on Instagram. Oh, I, I saw this or whatever. It's not easy to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation where someone is just sharing their their shame or their anger 
and their anger with God and their anger with the world. And um, it's hard. It's hard to get gritty with people like that. And I think that's why there's just, it's easier to say it's not here or I'm not in a position to do something, but, but you are. And I feel like once again, once you know better, do better. I feel like that's just a huge mantra of, of who I am. Um, it's just being accountable to that and knowing that, that there are people that if you don't stand up for them and you're not willing to speak for them, I mean, what if that was your child? What if that was someone you cared about? And, you know, even as far as just being aware of the pornography industry, and I know you had Blaine Bartell on, which I was so excited yeah. um, to hear his testimony and hear, hear that um, be talked about because pornography and trafficking go hand in hand. It's a, it's a supply and demand issue. And again, we know at least 50% of women in, in uh, pornography aren't there by choice. Um, we know that out of the survivors we've taken care of, 50% of them had said pornography was made of me without my consent. And so mm -hmm. I think specifically within the church, one, the church doesn't shed enough light on pornography. Um, there's a lot of shame associated with it. And not that it's not wrong, but again, there are there's a lot to uncover with that. Um, but I think if, if the, the church as a whole was just really transparent about the fact we know the enemy uses pornography to attack homes and, yeah. and mm -hmm. break down homes and, and break down relationships, but also realizing that, you know, it's not just a, a, the sin of the actual pornography, but, you know, when you're participating in that, you're, you're actually victimizing another human yeah. when I think a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's harmless. I'm not actually hurting that person, but, but that person's being victimized every time that you increase that demand, because now that supply has to go up. But not only that, we know that, that those who don't make it out of trafficking and who aren't rescued go on to, to self-harm or commit suicide. So I think if people could really look at that and just see it for what it is and just be like, man, this, this is a big deal, you know, and really just, again, expose the evil that yeah. is there. Um, and just, again, just realize that there is so much um, to the trafficking industry as, as far as prostitution, the brokenness of those who, who are um, being, being victimized and becoming vulnerable. A trafficker is not stupid. They don't look for people who can't, um, you know, advocate or stand up for themselves. They're, they're very good about finding those who are vulnerable, who are either homeless or have been broken and have been abused and are looking for someone to love them um, or take care of them or give them a way out. And so I think just as the body of Christ specifically, we need to be really good about understanding where people are broken and uh, meeting their needs and, and truly not judging them. It's so easy for people to say, oh, I don't judge them. But if you have that thought of, well, you made your choice, well, then you are because you don't know what led to, the, to that situation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't only happening in illegal establishments or underground industries. You're, you're saying, I mean, there's people that you could be going to youth group with, you could be sitting next to in church. Um, and so that's a, another myth, right. right? That this is only happening in these, you know, underground illegal establishments. Yeah. I mean, and especially when you look at the statistics of knowing that most people are trafficked by a loved one, um, that loved one doesn't have them, you know, in some underground secretive house, you know, it's someone that they know it's, they're either still in their own home and they're being trafficked out of their home. Um, you know, there was a, a four-year-old little girl around Jacksonville who was trafficked by her father out of her home. Um, you know, there's 
it's a lot of home environments. And then you're also looking at, you know, home brothels. Um, Pekin actually has the highest percentage of home brothels in Illinois. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Pe- That's for those crazy. listening, Pekin is about 20, 20 minutes from Peoria, um, just a, a smaller city uh, compared to a Peoria or a Chicago uh, but that's uh, that's an amazing statistic. I graduated from Pekin High School, believe it or not, yeah. and uh, lived in Pekin for years. So that's very sobering. Well, Nicole, we just want to thank you for being on today. Um, we're going to ask you to do something. You've listened to the podcast. Chuck, not only is Nicole like uh, on today as a guest, but she is probably our top fan. She is she has listened to every episode every minute of the podcast yes uh, yeah thank you you're not just somebody who's on today you're a listener so yeah we appreciate that but um you know this uh, that's a big honor i love you oh no problem chuck uh, you I, I know you want to uh, ask a little bit about prayer and that type of thing if you want to just uh see if nicole would do that yeah absolutely well like andy said because you listen you know we ask every um, every guest to, to close us out in prayer. And I know that there are people listening right now who are weighed down by, by shame and they feel, they feel guilty. There might be someone listening today that, that feels trapped and this might be just the nudge they need to step out and to ask somebody to, to help them. So can you pray for, for, for those listening right now who perhaps might be in one of those situations or maybe somebody listening today they know in their heart they need to expose something and they haven't they've kept it to themselves so you know others perhaps they have a a history of of abuse in their past and um they could be sitting here today just just broken can you can you pray for every listener god knows who's listening and where they're at but can you take a moment and and lead us in prayer on behalf of those Sure, sure. Jesus, we just come before you and just first of all, we just praise you for who you are, God, that you are a God who redeems, that there is nothing and there is no one who is um, out of reach for your redemption and your love and your grace and your compassion. So we just praise you for who you are. And Lord, I just lift up um, all the listeners right now. Lord, if there are listeners right now who are living with shame, Um, God, that you would just relieve them right now in Jesus' name, that you took that on the cross. It was crucified with you, and you rose victoriously over all shame and all pain, and we do not have to carry that. You took that, Jesus. We just praise you for that, and we thank you for that. And for those who are in shame, that they just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right now, just a supernatural release of pain and shame and just comfort, um, that they are just stopped in their tracks right now, Lord. And if there are people who know that this is going on, God, that you would just break their hearts, just break all of our hearts for what breaks yours, Jesus, that you just chip away the hardness that is in our heart and preconceived notions and that we lay those down, Lord, and that you just do a mighty work in reshaping us. And um, that if there is something that needs to be exposed, Lord, that you would give that person boldness to expose it. And Lord, for for those who may not be in shame and for those who may not be able to expose, but those who are just listening and part of our community, Lord, that you just um, open their eyes, God, that you just open their eyes to their community and that we wouldn't just focus on what is in our household, but what goes on outside of our household, that we would protect and advocate our children, but we would also raise children who have eyes to see and, and to be aware of others and that um, they can just be a, a, a place um 
and a touch point for those in the community who may need help and that we are positioned to help them. Lord, we just, we just thank you, Lord, that you are so good and that where the enemy wants to shame us, God, that you position to use us and that you love us and meet us right where we are at, that the disciples belonged before they believed and you loved them there and you met them there and you meet all of us right where we're at, God, and that you are just a God of second, third, a hundred chances. And that we just thank you, Lord, that even though this situation can be bleak and dark, God, you are God of it and you promised justice and that your heart is for justice, Lord. And we just thank you for that. We praise you for that. And that, um, Lord, we are just equipped to expose and to be advocates and just to love people. Lord, just use us in a mighty way. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, for your compassion and your grace. And we just worship you. And we just ask that you change us today and make us better day by day. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Nicole. That's that's so good. Well, um, be, before we get to our, our big three questions, um, for those that are listening today and they, they want to learn more um, about A21, they want to learn more uh, about the Walk for Freedom, more about what you do, is there a, a website or social media that you can direct them to? How can they follow you, get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So we are on Instagram at Walk for Freedom Peoria. Walk for Freedom, like underscore Peoria. Um, and they're, we try to do a really good job about posting there. Um, right now, we're just starting our Myth versus Reality series that will start tomorrow. Um, and we do have a, an email, Walk for Freedom 309 at Gmail. So if there are people in the community who maybe are like, hey, we would like to know more, maybe can we have a chat with our small group or um, I know you've been requested at schools for teachers. Um, they can uh, connect with us there. And then the walk is actually taking uh, place this year, October 16th, 2021. And um, so if they can stay connected with us for that, the registration for that usually opens up in July. Um, again, I can't make any promises due to, we'll see where we're at with the COVID pan pandemic. So, um, but that is the date that's set for, for that. But our, our best place is on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page, but to be honest, we're not really good about it. So okay. <laughs> um, Instagram is where you want to follow us. That's awesome. Yeah, make sure people are uh, checking that out, um, especially if you're in the Peoria area and want to be a part of the walk. It really is a cool walk because you go from, like you mentioned, from one fire station in Peoria to the fire station in East Peoria, walk across the bridge. It's pretty cool. So that'll be October 16th. But right now, Nicole, we have the three big questions. I see Chuck scurrying uh, questions <laughs> right there. <laughs> so uh, let's let's go. Uh, I've got one. If if you if, uh, if if you're good with that, Chuck, I've I've got a question. Um, what do you prefer, winter vacations or summer vacations? Oh, summer vacations, one hundred percent. Okay, so you're not a skier or that type of thing. No, absolutely not. Okay, all right, okay, okay. But when I, but when I say summer vacations, like if there's a pool involved, I'm also not really active in the pool. I'm more just am at the pool with my book or my podcast, like just laying there absorbing all the vitamin C. So okay, no, Chuck. In the summer, we need to do more podcasts so people have got more things to listen to while they're on vacation. Yeah. Correct. Well, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, since since you love to, to to lay in the sun and read, who are some of your favorite authors? Ooh, that is a really good question. Your favorite book? Um, yeah, uh, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis is a great one of 
great one of my favorites um and i know this may sound a little weird but uh i have to confess i am a true crime addict mm. um so i just read uh, uh, john douglas's book on how they um mind hunter i know there's a netflix series about it i couldn't watch it, it got a little like eh, for me but i read the book and it was kind of how they formed the behavioral science unit oh yeah so yeah, okay. I okay. true crime. All right. All it's right. fine all right, uh, I got one last one. Most memorable childhood memory just comes to mind. Like, oh, that was amazing. What? Mm. Hmm. I might have hmm. stumped her on this one. You might have stumped me. It's a really good childhood memory. I mean, I was just a really awkward child, so I feel like everything that is memorable is fairly embarrassing. <laughs> Um, so maybe I blocked it out. <laughs> Sounds a bit like um, Chuck. <laughs> man. Yeah, Chuck, we probably would have been awkward together. It would have been really good. Uh, oh, I know. I know. I got it. I got it. Are you ready? Yeah. So it was, I don't know if it's childhood. It was in high school. I was in driver's ed. And I went to a private school. So we didn't get driver's ed at our school. So we had to walk to a public school. And uh, it was raining and pretty slick outside. And one of my classmates her dad was the principal of the public school so he was pulling into his parking space at this school and i'm awkward of course and i was just running it was raining and wet and i uh, ran out of the driver's ed building to try to make it to school on time and just face planted while i slid into the parking lot and he thought he ran me over with his car <laughs> it was fine i was just not run over but it was pretty embarrassing and pretty awkward and he thought he thumped a small child so so oh. it's pretty little that's like you know that's four foot eleven yeah. so it's real tiny so he thought he ran me over that was pretty memorable for that's, me i mean yeah. i was just mortified because i was covered in water blood. but uh, i think he was also scared because he thought oh uh oh <laughs> yeah 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 well nicole we just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today um and uh make sure you're following her and everything that she's doing with walk for freedom underscore peoria um but again nicole thank you so much for being on today and uh keep listening to the podcast uh nicole and tell people to, to listen sure. as well uh and uh, again we will catch up with you again soon yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks. Wow, Chuck, that was that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting, and definitely people will go away um, thinking about things a little bit different. Uh, Nicole brought some incredible insight. She really did. And I think no matter where people are listening, they probably realize that this epidemic is greater than they probably um, really had an understanding of. Um, I mean, I was blown away just by hearing the statistics of this Peoria area. And this is obviously a, a problem in the U.S. and, and global for that matter. But um, this is just a great reminder that we need to be willing to... Um, to help those and you can't help if you're not educated and she did a great job at educating us today on on different things to look for and how to how to how to get somebody some help but she did seem a little bit excited about something that happens after the interview <laughs> yeah, i think it might he's a real fan of of, of, of 
the Bible Town podcast, so it was special to have her, her on. And she, yeah, she listens to Tate and his mate, so um, she's she's rooting me on today. I know. She I know. Is. I know. She was like, she came in with the stats, like she knew how many you had lo- <laughs> and not got, and how many you had got. She knows the stats better than us. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I've I have got a good one for Tate and his mate. Um and and this would involve around this time of year. I'm gonna put it into a bit of a sentence, okay? Are, are you ready for this? I'm ready, man. man okay. So at Christmas we would get a real Christmas tree, and at the end of Christmas, um we would have to get the Hoover out. The what? <laughs> Hoover, H O O V E R. Hoover. Hoover. Yeah. Get, get the Hoover. I've been watching the Queen, man, so I'm, I'm starting to learn the lingo. Um, yeah, get the Hoover out. Um, I thought you were saying you were going to have to take the tree and go put it in the wheelie bin and then roll it out, just throw it in the street like a plonker. Uh, hey, I think you got to tell people about plonker, right? So for Christmas. I, and it just came in the mail uh, like a, a couple of days ago. I opened up this package. I'm like, what is this? And it was a plonker t-shirt for you. Mate. <laughs> I know. Thank you. I saw it. Not- me. I'm going to, we're going to post a picture of me wearing the plonker shirt on our social media, on a revival podcast, um, Instagram page. So awesome. awesome. Yeah, thank you. I look like a plonker wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I promise it's not going to go in the wheelie bin. Hey, there we go. There we go. Now, my my first, uh, yeah, how's that for getting gobsmacked? (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's so great about this Tate and his mate bit is uh, you and I both, we get text messages throughout the week of of people using these words now in their own weekly lingo. Yeah, yeah, it's Uh, crazy. People have uh, really grabbed a hold of this bit. So, well, okay, so... Um, so you need to go in Hoover. So use use the word Hoover. And all I can think about is vacuum. So... Um, oh, you, you just got it right. What? <laughs> Hoover's a... It's a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go and va- I'm going to go and Hoover the, the living room where the Christmas tree was because all the needles are everywhere. So you got to get out the Okay. So now I know the brand Hoover. Yep. That's where it must have originated. Absolutely. So in the UK, people just say, I'm going to get the Hoover out. Okay. Good wow. brand. It was good branding. Good branding. I mean, I, I mean, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm like two in a row or something like that. Right? I, or did I, get, I, I don't remember now. It must be this you know? new year. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting out the, the yeah, I'm starting out 2021. Even though, um, yeah, there you go, man. I'm gonna roll. There you go. Well, we want to thank you for listening. If you could just share this um, with people, believe it or not, we have gone over three thousand uh, downloads in the last uh, week or so. It did help having Amy Grant on the on the podcast. <laughs> it what a, what a, again what a special Christmas episode that was and so gracious for her taking the time to, to hang with us and and, and to share it yeah so. yeah we, we we appreciate all the guests that have been on uh in the last uh um what two months or so three months and uh it, you know we would we, we deeply 
thank them for coming on and sharing and talking about it. But we need you to talk about it. We need you to, like Nicole that was on, she was a massive fan. I mean, literally, Chuck, every week she is texting me different things um, about the show and, uh, you know, hey, this was the best one. Well, wait, last week was the best. I mean, because they keep getting better and better. Yeah, no, that's cool. So if, if, you, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, um, if you could take a moment and give us a, a rating and not just a rating, Andy, but a five-star rating, right? Oh, now. come on. Uh, give us a rating and take, honestly, it takes 15 seconds to write a review and it doesn't, you don't even, it doesn't even have to be well thought out. You can just write, I'm loving this podcast, keep it up. Um, but that really does help extend our reach the way the algorithms work. If you could take a moment and give us a rating, write a review and if you don't write a review at least if you could just take a, a moment to give us a rating that would help but i believe that um, you can do that on some of the other platforms wherever you're listening whether it's spotify or google um, of course on spotify you can follow on apple you subscribe i don't know what it what it is on google but but if you could just take a moment to to help us yeah. um it really would go a long way yeah to you know, because we believe like today's episode with, with Nicole Jackson, people need to hear it. Yeah. Um, so um, by you spreading the word and sharing it and subscribing and giving us a rating, taking the moment to, to write a review, that will go a long way yeah. to extend the reach of Revival Town Podcast. Well, thank you so much again for listening and uh, have a great week. Make sure you're sharing this uh, with people and uh, we will see you next week again. A Revival Town podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com. Oh,